Tonight, I want to um, deal with just a topic that will continue to be more and more um, as far as as far as coming to the surface in our society, coming to the surface in our, our world. Um, and, and it's just the understanding of how to possess peace with everything that takes place around us, with family, life, work. How, how do I maintain peace in my life? Because peace is a hard thing. It's a lot of times you can't even tell somebody that, that you're not happy, can you? I mean, sometimes you can be in a marriage, you can be at work at a place, you can be in a situation, and you can, you can think, I want to tell you, I'm just not happy, but I don't know how to tell you. And it doesn't mean that, that, that I'm, 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 I'm through or I'm finished. I just, my peace, as far as just being at peace where I'm at. And we live in a world where if you think if you're going to find it there, let me just say it this way, the world has a peace index. If you ever have a chance, look it up. It's a world peace index. Let's just say we're not in the top 100. Now, now it's kind of a misnomer because some of the most peaceful places in the world are little islands that there's only a few people that live on, and you know, and it's like, okay, they can be happy together. We're, we're, we're way down there with Mexico. So I don't know how, how we end up with Mexico, but we're at a, almost 100 and 130 range of 160 different groups that they look at. We're, we're down there, and it's getting worse. We're constantly dropping. Our homicide rate went up. Our, our, if you ask Americans, are they feeling safer, just tell them to stop at a gas station at night and ask them how safe they feel. And, and, and we live in a, in a society to where it's getting worse and worse as far as just having peace, things that I grew up just being normal, kids playing in their yard. That used to be such a normal thing. Hey, mom, I'm going to walk down the street and go to so-and-so's house. Okay, be back before dark. You wouldn't let your kids do that. It's, it's a different world, a different society. All the information and all the access and everything that we have now and, and, and all the, the craziness because of media and things people can get into, their minds can just go as far as they want to go. It's a different world. So how do I have peace in a wicked or a crazy, messed up? I don't even know if I go to a dressing room whether I'm going to have a guy or girl in there with me. In a, in, a, in a shopping mall. You just don't know. I mean, it's just a world where I don't know. And I'm not trying to be ugly or mean. I'm just saying this is our everyday life. This is every day. If we go to the store, if we get gas, if we... And, and don't take my word. The people who study this says, America isn't doing good. Of, of all the nations, you're one of the less peaceful nations in the world. And over the last eight or ten years, it's gotten rampantly, and everybody can hold their hand up and say, oh yeah, over the last eight or ten years, you know, you felt it. So how in the world do you deal with this mindset? Well, there are several ways in society that they do this, and, and let me show you one of them that's real simple. If you'll pull up the, the uh, peace index, we'll take a test. Everybody got their phones? Don't lie. Most of you didn't leave them in the car. If you did, good. If you got a pencil, pen, or just count on your fingers real quick. All right. So anyway, the, the, the peace index has five fingers around 
that it, it allows you to, to test yourself or to, to question yourself or to see if you are, are at a peaceful level. And so, so the peace index, basically, think of it this way. Everybody has a number above their head. When you talk about a peace index, everybody has a number above their head. And that number is, even if you say, well, I don't know what that number would be. If you ask your wife, she would know what it is. If you ask your husband, they would know what it is. If you ask the people you work with, oh, yeah. When they see you walk in the room, it's like, ooh. They, they expect or, or they're anticipating some of the things that, that, that are coming. We may not be able to get that. Uh, but let me show it to you on, on paper. But you can, you can do it this way. We don't have to have it up while she's working on that. Think of it like this. There's five. Got it? Good. Oh, lost it. Nope, got it? Lost it. Got it? Yeah, good. Good job. Good job. Wasn't as easy as they thought. So think of it this way. You have a number above your head. This is your piece, percentage. And so let's start at purpose. And what I want you to do, I want you to think hard. I want you just to, just to write off, just write what you, what you think, okay? The longer you think about, well, I might be, no, no, no. Just what you feel, write it. The score is from one to 100. 100 being, man, I am, I am all in on this. One being bad or just bottomed out. So if I told you, tell me, on a score of a one to a hundred, what is your purpose? In other words, how fulfilled are you with work? The work that you do, where you work, the company you work for, the, the, where you work, what you're doing with your life as far as your purpose, on a scale of one to a hundred, write it. You may say, I do not like where I'm at. I'm not 70. I'm there. And you may say, man, I love, I, love, I love what I do. I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I feel like my life is headed in the right direction. Man, I got I got chance. So you got it? All right. Zero to 100. Next one. Place. Now, I want you to think in your mind where you live or work, or spend a lot of your time, is this place that you hang out a life-giving place? Is this place a life-giving place? Scale to one to a hundred. When I walk into my home where I'm fixing to sit down for the next five, is it a place where I'm like, oh, yes. Or is it a place like, oh, Lord, I'm just going to sit in the car. And it could be your car. Your car may be, hey, when I think of my happy place, yeah, that's my happy. I, I have a place. Anybody? And, and, and zero to 100, do you have a place? 100 meaning you got a place. And, and, and for me, right now, mine would not be as high. Because several years ago, about five years ago, I had a place. I had my little boathouse out at Harperville where we lived, and, and it had glass windows and overlooked my little pond. It wasn't nothing fancy or anything. I'd taken in the old shed that they had and turned it into my little shack kind of deal. But, man, I could go down there, and I had a little couch, and, and, and all my books were down there, and I could look out that window, and what I love is seeing water. And 
Now, if you said, do you have a place? Eh, I have a house. It's a home. Needs, needs work. I'm, I, when I drive up the driveway, sometimes I don't think of just resting. I think of what hasn't gotten done, or I think of what needs to be. Or... And so be very careful not to watch HGTV too much because it'll really depress you when you start driving up your driveway or when you go hang out. So where you live, what would you give your number to your place? 80, 60, 70, 100? Next, provision. Do you feel like, when we talk about provision, do you feel like your income, your salary, or, or where you're at, or the position you're in right now, is, is to a degree where it meets your needs? It's like, okay, it's not, it's not the best, but, but I'm, I'm good where I'm at. Being 100 would mean, yeah, it's meeting my needs, I, I'm, I'm good. Or, you know what, I'm always stressed out about this because I don't ever, I feel like we're just like, just barely getting through life. Aren't you glad I'm back? I can see the look on y'all's faces like, nobody else made us take a test. They just preach at us. Okay. So my provision, my place, my purpose. All right. Zero to a hundred. How's your physical health? How is your physical health? Do you have symptoms? Do you have ailments? that affects your ability to do what you know you're supposed to do. That's, that's really the whole point. It's not, it's not that, that you don't have ailments. Believe me, the older we get, the, the more hurting, the more sore, the harder it is. But is it to a point you can't do what you want to do or, or it's always frustrating you uh, because of, because of uh, medication or because of whatever and, and you're physically, you're having to fight keeping peace. Like, oh man, I'm telling you, this thing just drives me crazy. I have friends who have psoriasis, and I have friends who have, and, and depending on that, it can change their whole mood because if, if, if they're dealing with this, this, this just takes all their, I mean, nobody likes to sit there and hurt all the time, and nobody likes to sit there and, and, and itch or, 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 or stress out or have headaches all the time, migraines or whatever it is that attacks you. And I'm not trying to say put zero for, some of y'all are like, I put 50 for everything. That's bad. Don't do that. Try, try, to, try to think, physically, am I still able? So if you asked me, I would say, yeah, I'm still good. I'm probably 80 or 90 and physically because I can still do anything I really want. Now, it doesn't mean my knee doesn't hurt and my back doesn't hurt, but, but I'm okay. I, if, if there's something I needed to do, I could physically do it. That's not stopping me. All right? People, your coworkers, your family, your personal relationships, and the degree to which they either uplift you or bring you down. On a scale of 1 to 100, what do they do? People closest to you. If you talk to them today, if you knew you, if you say, I'm going to text so-and-so, do you know that at the end of the phone call, you're like, yes. Or at the end of the phone call, you're like, I'm not calling him back for another week. Or is it somewhere in between? And you say, brother, this is, this is crazy. No. All of these factors are working in your life all the time, and it's affecting your peace. You don't just wake up happy. You have to deal with the things that are inside of your life, and as you deal with those things inside of your life, then you determine 
Because Jesus already said, if you're saved in here, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. You got Jesus' peace all over you right now. But the question is, are you using it? Are you allowing it to do its work? Or are you letting all the other factors in your life drown out Him? I say this because I've done it a million times. Life is, is, is tough. One, one phone call, one, one, one bad report. One, and it's hard to maintain peace if we're going to use just these factors to do it. All right, now, you put, you put zero to 100 on all of five of them. Now, add them together and divide them by five. And that's the number that's roasting over your head every time you walk into a room. Because when you walk into a room, you're thinking about your family or your friends. When you walk into a room, you're thinking about your job. When you walk into a room, you're thinking about your health. And, and somehow, how do you know, Brother Lot? Because all somebody has to do when you walk into a room is ask you one simple question. How you doing? Don't ask. My back's been killing me for a week. Done robs you of peace. Oh, don't ask. I just got off the phone. One of my family members, I'm telling you, it's just chaos. Do you see how things and people rob us of peace that's supposed to be ours? You can get mad at me. I didn't do it. But the enemy knows what pushes your buttons, and he knows, and he's going to try constantly to set snares to rob you, not of just your life, not just of, of, your, of your peace. He doesn't care if you come to church. He doesn't care if you sing songs like tonight. He doesn't care if, if, if Pastor Bradley's leading us and, and, the, and the praise team, and they're doing a great job and telling you to raise your hands, and, 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 and they're doing it. As long as they know, as soon as you quit singing the songs and you start to sit down, your mind goes into, oh, my mom was killing me. Then it doesn't matter, does it? Because peace is that important of a peace in your life. And we're constantly having to work through it. Any questions? Yeah, I know I'm back. I ask questions too. Uh, uh, you're like, what do you mean ask questions? You don't, you don't mess up my train of thought. Just, just for something, it's like right here where we're at, there's a question. We're good? All right. Kind of, y'all got that long look on your face like I just... Like you told you I was going to spank you after this church service is over or something. You're like, I'm like, I didn't do it. All right. But what you're dealing with is the reality of what you're living in. Now, here's the problem. I can't change all the reality that you're living in. And God's not going to change all the reality that you're living in. Some of you have come to church tonight with a mindset of, I wish God would fix this. Let me go ahead and help you. God came with a mindset tonight when you walked in the room. I wish they would, he would let, they would let me fix them. And you two are never on the same conversation. You're walking, I wish God would fix this. And God's like, I wish you'd let me fix you. And if you don't settle the argument, and I'll just let you know it's got to go God's way. If you don't settle the argument, 
You're going to walk out thinking, I don't even know why I go to church. Nothing seems to change. And God walks away out of church and says, I don't know why in the world. I, I don't know what, what's going on. I don't know what else to do. I can't get them to change. And this can go on for years. Look at the person beside you and ask them, has this gone on for years up with you? You still want God to change your stuff, and God keeps walking out saying, I wish he'd let me change them. So, so you have to come to the grips. This is David. David writes this 37th Psalm. Go with me to Psalms 37. And this is David's wrestling. David is a man who loves people. David is a man who wants to see everything. I think me and David would have been good friends. We would have sat around and thought, man, we need to help so-and-so. Man, we need to do this for so and 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 he wants to see everything right. He wants to see everybody doing right. That's why even when he was caught in sin and Nathan tells him, you're the man, it just breaks David down like, yes, I did it. I, I'm the bad guy. And he falls down and just repents and says, I, I've sinned against God because David has this heart. God even said, there's a man after my own heart. He has a heart to not want to hurt people, to want to see people well. well if he'd walked in here tonight, he would look at everyone. And he wants every one of you to be happy. He wants every one of you to be treated fairly. He wants every one of you to be respected. He wants every one of you to be blessed in your job. He wants every one of you to, to have life the way you would want to have it and the way God would want you to have it. And then he would look at this and he would say, but... Here's what David writes in Psalms 37, beginning at verses 1 through 4. Here's what he says. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend what? Faithfulness. Befriend faithfulness. Be good friends with just being faithful. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you. He says God has made a promise. God will work things out. There's no problem that I had 25 years ago that's still a problem now. There's not a problem I had 10 years ago that's still a problem now. There's no problem that you have right now that if you do it right, it won't be a problem 10 years from now. Now, don't get me wrong. If you do it wrong, let's say there's two married couple and here's a married couple. Let's say your husband and wife, you've got kids, and, 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 and you decide, okay, we're going to fix this. I'm tired of this. You're tired of this. And instead of choosing faithfulness, instead of befriending faithfulness and, and letting God work it out, you decide that's it. Let's just split. You know, the kids will be happier without us. Let me tell you, 10 years from now, you will not have a better life. You'll have kids that are trying to pick which one to live with, and I'll tell you how they choose which one of them gives them the most. Let me just go ahead and break it to you. Whichever one of you is the, is the weakest one, whichever one of you that just says yes to everything, lets them stay out all night and party all night, and the other one is like, no, we got, we can't. Let me tell you which one they're going to pick. They're going to pick the one that's over here. And then your kids are going to end up more messed up, and then both of you one day will have to deal with what you didn't deal with 10 years before. Let me just go ahead and wake you up to reality. Pick your topic. David is not trying to be ugly. He's saying, listen... Let me show you the system by which God operates. 
Let's go back and read that one more time because point one is this. Write this down. Allow God to be who he is. If you're not writing this down, I don't, can't help you. Put it on your phone. Do something. Allow God to be who he is. Who do you think God is? Well, let's read verses one through four. Fret not for yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. So he's saying, keep your mind straight. Don't, don't allow your, your thoughts or, or, or things to wander. Don't, don't start uh, just letting your mind go crazy. Don't watch too much HGTV if your house ain't great. Trust me. I've been there, done that. Look at Elise and say, why don't we just move to the Bahamas? She's like, she's like what do you mean move to the Bahamas? I was like, they are so happy. Look. A guy, he just, he just sold everything, moved to the Bahamas. They're just sitting there scuba diving every day, and they're just happy. I was like, that's life, ain't it? They said, well, we're... Fret not because of evildoers. Don't be envious of other people's lives, for they will soon fade like the... And it's amazing when you watch... You watch, I used to watch those old shows and, and where they remade people's houses, you know, and, and, and you know, went in, and these... People were underprivileged, and they chose to help them fix their house up. And do. And you know almost 90% of them lost their houses? Almost 90% of them lost the house. I'm talking about the, the, the remodel, the one they said, move that bus, that house. You know why? Because when they lived in the double-wide trailer, the, the insurance on it wasn't bad. And you know what wasn't bad? The, the city tax and, and all the other taxes that went along with it and all the, all the different. But you know what happened the moment they built that four-bedroom and everything else? Everything went up. And you know what didn't go up? They still didn't have a job. And when the bus drove away two months later, uh, your water bill just went up. What water bill? My water bill used to be $10. Oh, it's 30 now. Oh, your electric bill? Oh, yeah. That's be like 50 bucks. Oh, that's 400 to heat this house. And all of a sudden, before they knew it, the thing that they were so happy and envious about faded like grass. Me and my son, one of the things we loved to watch was those restaurant makeovers. And our, our funniest thing is not to watch the makeover. We, we almost like bet, you know, not money or anything. We're just like, I bet you. I bet you that restaurant ain't even in existence anymore. And, and out of those restaurants, almost 80% of all the restaurants that ever remodeled or, or helped fix or helped restart and all, are all closed. Some of them fixed them up within four months, sold it. Why are you telling me all this? Because let me tell you what you do in your life. You spend way too much time on Facebook, Instagram, looking at other people's jacked up photos that they've, they've mixed and fixed and, 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 and everybody got just right, smiled just long enough to make it look like their life is perfect, and you saw it and you think, I'm the only one that has a marriage like this. I'm the only one that has kids like this. Look at their kids. They all standing there smiling. If you'd have seen four seconds earlier, you would have seen him grab him by the hair, drag him over there. You better be still. I'm telling you, I'll kill you now. Just, just. But you didn't see that. You just saw him when they're all... And then at the end, they're looking at each other. We through? Yeah, fun. And you're just like, Jesus. I know because I've got a whole bunch of those photos. 
Whole Christmas cards that y'all get every year of my kids through the years. All of them hated photos. Verse 3, trust in the Lord. Just let God be who God is. Quit trying to be God. Trust in Him and do good. Just keep doing good. My whole story of my life, my 30 years nearly of being here at All Seasons, it's not been some, some big wow and some big, we had a revival and 300 people got, it's, it's, it's nothing that you'd write a book about. You know what it's always been? Get up the next day and do good. Fix somebody's house, mow somebody's grass, hug somebody that needs hugging, pray with somebody that needs to be prayed for, visit somebody that needs to be, just keep doing good. And you look up one day and you're like, wow. Because what happens? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. Focus on Him. And guess what will happen? Then He will give you... That's a promise. That marriage will come back around. Those kids will turn the corner. And if not, it's only because they're choosing and God says, that has nothing to do with you. I'm still going to make your life better. As long as you're faithful to me, I promise you, I will make your end better than your beginning. You say, bro, you believe that? I tell my wife that years ago. I said, you leave me. God's just going to send me somebody better looking. I bother you. But what I'm saying is, what I was telling was, I'm going to be faithful. And my hope and my happiness is not you. And my hope and happiness is not my kids. And my hope and happiness is not this, not this house. You take all this stuff. Every one of you could decide I'm not going to serve the Lord. You can walk out the house today. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. Because if I am, he's made a promise. And I know one person that don't lie. He said, Tim, don't you worry. If you're faithful to me, I will give you the desires of your heart. That sounds hard. Boy, you're being ugly, Tim. No, I'm not. I'm not being ugly toward my wife or my kids. I'm just telling you, you got to stand on some rock. And our problem is we stand on the rock of, well, my wife. And if they go haywire, we fall apart. I'll stand with my kids. Well, at least I got my kids. Well, they're going to grow up and they're going to leave it. And they're going to hardly say thank you when they walk out the door. That job, depending on how it does, it can lay you off or move you forward. There's only one thing that you can put your trust in. And that's God. That's what David learned. David said, I've learned one thing over my life. And David was a king. David had money. David had, but he said, now that I'm older, I'll tell you the only thing that's ever been in my life, I trust, and that's God. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for all seasons. I'm thankful for my job. But don't you think for a second that you hold the strings to my happiness. Don't you think for a second you control that. If you said, we're tired of you, we fire you today, I'll walk out with a smile and I'll say, God, you've got to have something better up the road. Because I never started putting my trust in something. Only Him. 
I know that sounds hard, but listen to me. It's either that or you do the, the cycle thing and you're, boy, am I healthy enough? Am I, am, I, am I healthy enough? Am I this enough? Am I that enough? It's great to have all those things, but you, when you start doing that test, you realize those things can vary. It's great when they're all good and you keep working at them. I do. I want to be healthy. I want to have good friends. I want to have... But they're not the thing that will hold peace in your life. The reason it's so confusing is because we're the 130-something ranked unhappy country. And we're one of the richest countries in the world. We've got cars. We've got parks to walk around. We've got... And miserable... To boot. Number one, allow God to be who He is. One writer said it this way, and I love it. Stay off His throne. Stay off God's throne. Don't you climb up on it. Let me see if I can say it in this way. It'll make sense. If a child come up to you today, a child you've raised, a child you kept fed, sent to school, clothed. And they just walked up to you. They're 17, 18 years old. Been with you all their life. And they look at you and they say, you know, I really don't trust you. I don't think you really love me. To a parent, there's nothing that could be said worse that could break their heart. And some of us have said that to our parents. Some of us have been there. We knew how bad it would hurt when we said it to them. You don't love me. If you loved me, you would have done this. You would have given me this. You wouldn't have allowed this. I don't trust you. If it hurts a parent like me if my kid was to say that, how much more do you think it hurts God when we look at God and we're like, God, I'm going to do this because I don't trust you. I don't trust that you'll bring me to a good place, so I'm going to pick my own. How bad do you think that hurts God when we speak to Him like that? Look at the person beside you and tell them, say, welcome back, pastor. Number two, go to verse five with me. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will... Say, we want Him to act and then we're going to love Him more. And they... mm -mm. Number two is this. Enjoy the fact that you're different. Be thankful that you're different. That your life is different. That your background is different. Be thankful that God's walked with you through all the different. That's what he's talking here. Commit your what? Your way. See, what we do is we use it as an excuse. We say, well, God, you know how I am. Commit your And when we think of that, we, we, it, we cringe because we think, if I do that, God won't, won't love me. i got to be a fake me. 
No. Peter was a cusser when he started following God. And Jesus said to him, Peter, I'm going to give you about six months, and if you don't quit that cussing, I'm going to send you back home. Did you just ever tell Peter that? He said what? Follow me. Follow me. Commit your way to me, Peter. There's a lot of times Peter said, just get away from me, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm going to teach you, Peter. Come on. Let me tell you something about God. There's nothing you're going to say to him about you that he don't already know. He's been there. When you thought nobody was in the room, he was there. When you thought nobody saw it, he was there. Here's the crazy thing. When you thought it, he was there in your brain. And you, when somebody said, what you thinking? Nothing. God said, oh, yeah, you were. And we, and we, and we try to have this, this, this oh, God, is oh. commit. David said, look, I killed a guy. I slept with his wife, couldn't, couldn't hide it. I killed him, had him killed, and then turned around and married her. David said, let me give you some advice. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust Him. And when you do, He will act. Number three, stop yourself from comparison. See, when you enjoy that you're different than what you can do, then you have the power then to stop yourself. As long as you're not honest, you can't stop yourself. Notice what it says here now. Commit your way to the Lord, part one. Commit your way to the Lord. That means enjoy that you're different. If you can do that, what does it say? Number two, trust Him and He will... Let me, let me show you what that means in the, in, in the uh, uh, Greek and what that means in, in what he's trying to interpret here. Imagine going before a king. Imagine going before a king. And I'll, I'll try to show it right here. I'm going before a king. Commit yourself to him. I'm bringing who I am. No, no more, no less. I bring it to you. Nothing hid. Just bring him to me. Come before a king. Only way you can mess it up with a king is if you try to act like something you're not. Then he's liable to cut your head off. In olden times, all you were supposed to do is come humbly. That's why even now the Bible says, come humbly before the Lord. To, to come, why? Because you're coming before a king. And he says, just don't try to be something you're not. Just be, just be. why did he love Peter, James, and John? Why did he love all those, those, those misfits and everything? Because they weren't imitations. They weren't trying to act like something they were. The people he hated was the Pharisees or, or the people that frustrated him. He said, because you act like something and you were really not that. He said, just be honest. Who are you? I'm somebody who has some crazy thoughts, and sometimes I think of doing some messed up stuff. Sometimes I'm just, I'm just not sure I can hold it together, and some days I'm just not sure I got it. God, this is who I am. God says, good. I, I know what I'm working with. But here's what I need you to do. Trust Him. Well, I am. I'm standing. No, no, no. Trust Him. 
See, the word trust is more than just, it's more than just committing. Trusting means I've laid everything that, that I have that I could fight against you. Every, I, to lay prostrate, to, to, to lay face down is what the term means. To just lay helplessly before the Lord. Not to come and say, now God, here's what I wish you would do. Here's what, I, here's what I'd do if I were you now. And here's what, no, 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 don't, 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 don't commit. And then trust. Just trust Him. And when you do that, let me tell you what it does to God. It forces Him to act. Because you're his kid. And, and any parent that sees a child that just, just breaks down and says, this is who I am, and, and, and this is what I messed up, and this is where... And, 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 and I... Remember the story of the prodigal son? So we missed that part. It, we think the father would have ran out there and loved him anyway. No, if the son had run up to the father and he'd run to the son and the son would say, just come by to check on you, dad. Just, you know, I hadn't seen you in a while, but, you know, well, son, are you doing? Okay? I'm doing fine, dad. I'm doing all right. Everything's good. And, and, and I just, just, just come by to see you. And, and, and you know how we do when we're still playing. But the prodigal son, what made the difference, the Bible says, the father ran to him like a father would. And when he got to him, the son said, whoa, dad. Let me commit my way to you. I've done some bad stuff. I've messed up. I'm tore up from the floor up dead. I've, I've been working in a pigsty, eating corn cobs. My life is messed up, Dad. But I, I, I trust you. Let me come and just be a servant. Let me just live out in the barn and let me just work as a servant and I'll be happy. I'm not asking, I'm not demanding, I'm not telling you what you got to do. Just, just let me come home. What does the father do? Son, get this boy a coat and get him a ring. The moment that you commit your way and you trust, what does it do? The father acts. I'm not trying to say you put God under any kind of obligation, but you do. A broken and contrite spirit, I'll sometimes I'll have to turn away. No, he said, I will never turn it away. When, when you understand that, and, and then you can come honestly and broken before him, and when you do that, then all of a sudden you realize that's all he's asking. He's got the power. He's got the way. He, he's got the, the things that can fix all the stuff. He's just wanting to know, will you release him? Not ask, not come up and say, you know, I've got a few things. Would you help me? No, that's not, that's not the way you talk to a king. You come with a mindset that I trust you. I'm committed to you. And it causes the love inside of him to automatically act out. Okay, let me hurry. Is this all right? Okay, so... So number one, we allow God to be who He is. We enjoy that we're different. I'm different. I'm, I'm odd. There's things I like. There's things you hang around me. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just different. It's okay. I'm good with it. God likes me, so that's all that matters. 
Number three, I stop myself from comparing. I stop trying to, to put God in a box. I just, I just humbly trust and commit. And, and I say, God, I'm yours. I'm not trying to change anything. So when we get free and we realize we're different and we can commit our lives and, and give our lives, it allows us to not have to do things that we normally would do. One guy said it this way. Listen, we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need, to impress people we don't know, and go broke trying to look richer than we are. Welcome to America. Think about that. Let me repeat that to you. This will frustrate you all the time if you let it, and the enemy knows it. We spend money we don't have to buy things we really don't need. To impress people that we really don't even know. And we go broke trying to look like we're richer than we really are. If you don't kill within you the fact that you just are who you are, then comparison will always be what nips at your heels and bites away at you. You'll never feel like you have enough or you are enough or our, our, our marriage is not enough or our kids are not good enough or our jobs are not good enough or nothing's good enough. You'll eat yourself alive in comparison. Number four. Go with me to verse 7. So when I'm doing this, and I'm living this out, and it says in verse 1, to, to make a friend of faithfulness. Listen to what verse 7 says. Be still before the Lord. Notice how I was laying a while ago. Be still before the Lord and wait. See, don't just, don't just get in that position of, of, God, I'm just forfeiting my life, and then it's like keep looking up every... You got it done yet? You got it. Don't do that. I grew up in Pentecostal churches. I'm telling you, I've seen too much of it. We'd have powerful services, and God would move, and people would be slain in the Spirit. But there'd always be a few that didn't want to be left out. You always got a few. If you grew up in the background, I did. You understood. And they were going to come to that altar. And I, it didn't matter what happened. When that preacher laid his hand, they were going out. They were going to make sure everybody knew they were spiritual. Only problem is, if you sat there and watched them like I did as a kid, you see them lay there. And when they felt everybody else get up, don't act like I'm telling you something you don't know. Listen, church ain't perfect, folks. It's a hospital for all us messed up people. Some are just a lot more messed up than you think. But to be still before the Lord, to wait patiently for Him, fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way. If you keep opening your eye, what are you going to notice? So-and-so done got theirs. Look at that. They already have it. I'm still laying here on my face. Don't do it. 
You say, Pastor, you struggle with that. Can you imagine when I moved to Forest and I had 10 people on Sunday? Sometimes zero on Wednesday night. This is a huge, y'all, y'all think, well, Pastor, you know, he, don't, he likes to preach the big. This, this is a huge crowd. Used to be zero sometimes. I'd show up, Lise would show up, we'd hope somebody would walk across the street, see the lights on. And sometimes if they did, they were drunk. It was. They were great, good friends of mine. But that first of the month, I knew my buddy William, buddy, he, he was like, he got him a little bit of money. It was, it was, it was, gonna, it was eating a hole in his pocket. One of the best men I ever knew. He's just part of the church. We wouldn't be here today without him. Be still before the Lord. Just, just let it go. Wait patiently for him. It only took me 29 years to get here. I don't know where in 29 years I'll be. Maybe somewhere a lot bigger. Maybe home. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Fret not yourself over the one who will prosper in his way, over the man who carries out evil. Because what you're going to notice is, not only are you going to notice that somebody gets somewhere, but isn't it funny how you notice they did it and, and they didn't do it right. You look at them, here we are trying to live right. Here we are. Look at them. They, they don't even pay their taxes, cheating on everything. And man, they, they, they got all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what your problem is? You keep opening your eye. You keep laying down. Lord, I'm trusting you. Trust you, Lord. Look at so-and-so. Be careful. This is David teaching. It's not me. Don't, don't think I wrote any of this stuff. I'm just telling you what it's saying. Fret not over the one who carries out evil devices. Number four, wait for the will of God. This is the way God taught it to me. Tim, you can't hurry the sun from rising. The sun will rise when it's time for it to rise. It doesn't matter. Anybody ever wake up early and you just lay there like, it's dark outside and you're like, what time is it? Do oh, you know what? I'm going to give you some advice. No matter how much you lay there and look at the clock and how much you worry, you will not make that sun come any faster. You think you are. Oh, man. You can't make it move faster. And I'll tell you what you something else. You can't make it move any slower. When it's time for it to come up, the rooster, whether he crows or not, it's coming up without him. Whether you want to open your eyes or not, it's coming up. God is the same way. Listen, just as faithful as you can't rush him, he's just as faithful you can't stop him. And those that trust in him realize that. While I was gone this month, people always ask me, well, tell me what God said to you today. It was several different things, but one, the major one was one sermon I listened to. And, and you have to understand that while I'm gone, what I do, it's not me taking vacation, laying out on a beach anywhere. It's, it's me in the woods, and I'm listening to 40 podcasts a day, and I'm, I'm getting all the preaching I didn't get while I was preaching to you. All the pouring out, it's time for it to fill. And, and, and it was this one sermon that just, just ate my lunch. As y'all would say, stepped all over my toes. Well, it did me. It, it got me. I was sitting there, and it was like, it was like, man, 
And I just, I'd walk away. Then I'd come back and listen to it again. And it was like, Ugh. and God was just like, that's you. And I'm like, that's not me, God. Oh, that's you. And it was simply this. Jesus never ran anywhere. Oh, that's deep. Profound. But it was to me. Tim, Jesus never ran any, never in the Bible you're going to say, Jesus ran to Lazarus' grave because he was hurrying to get him out. He knew he'd been in there too long. Jesus never ran anywhere. Even when he told somebody to come, walk with me. And he said, Tim, you can tell you a problem. You want to run. You think by running, you'll hurry it up. You think by pushing, it'll have gone faster. And there's some things that do. You can. But you can't make me go faster. You have to just walk with me. Man. Was somewhere in the woods while I was walking, I just broke. Like right now, I can just, just like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I think of where I sh could be or as far as like if I'd try harder, or I did this or this had happened to that. God, you only called me to walk with you. Teach me not to run or push or get frustrated with the pace. Just let me walk with you. And I'm not saying I've got it worked out because I'm, I'm, that's, a, that's a huge thing for Tim Lott to, to, to walk, to just walk. Just, I'll get there when I get there. No, oh, it's just, oh, it's just, you don't realize how that bothers me. God said, but you got to walk with me, Tim. And that's what he's saying here. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who's, who's moving faster or doing it quicker or seems like they're getting there and you're not. Don't worry about that. Just, just keep walking with me. We're going to get there. Number five. When you do these things, then you'll learn to live out your full potential. As a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a, a worker, you won't have to worry about that number over you because you will be at a pace and you will live a life and you will be comfortable enough to know that it's going to be all right. That's why Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. This was the peace he's talking about, to be able to walk what did Jesus do when he was going up against the greatest problem of his life? He went off. He laid before the Lord and said, not my will, but your... What was he doing? Committing. He's teaching us how to do that. He, he said, my peace. That, look, everything I went through, I'm showing you through David in Psalms 37, how you do this. And I lived it out in front of you. Commit your ways. Forfeit. And watch and see if God won't move. Verse 9 says this. Go to verse 9 with me. To live out your full potential. Here's what he says. For the evildoers shall be what? God says, I got that. Tim, don't worry about how things work or whether so-and-so did this. 
I keep up with all the records. And don't worry, if when it gets time to pay somebody for what they did or didn't do, that's my business, not yours. But don't worry, nothing gets by me. Nothing, nothing escapes my eyes. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the land. I don't know about you, but I want to inherit the land. I don't know how fast, how slow. I don't know God's timing. I don't know, but whatever land God's got for me, Right now, I've just raised three kids and, and, and kind of getting out of that, that mode now. And I've got my daughter. I went and saw her at Mobile and trying to get used to this. And, and, I, and for the first time, I started looking around and seeing people's grandkids. And I started thinking, hey, you know, I'll make a pretty cool papa. I can teach them how to fish. And, I, and I've never thought about this stuff. It's like, hey, I had time for thinking about all this stuff. Like, Kids, I'm just getting out of kid. I don't want to think about no grand. No, no, y'all just wait about 12 years before y'all start having grandkids. And now I'm thinking, that won't be so bad. What's he saying? Tim, but those who wait on me, don't worry, son. You will inherit the land. You'll get what you never thought possible. Will you stand? I don't know how you did on your peace index. It really doesn't matter. It's good to know. It's good to work at. I, I, I try to stay healthy. I, I try to pick good friends. I try to do the things on that list. But that list, even when I do my best, is not the ultimate test of my peace. The ultimate test is whether I'm living Psalms 37 correctly. I've learned that if I am, I really don't care what's going on everywhere else. It's going to be all right. And I've learned that if I don't spend a lot of time there and I look at all the other things, I'm getting fat, I'm doing this, and so-and-so said this about me, and look what they got. I've learned that it goes down real fast. So whoever you are in this room, God sent me by to tell you tonight. He didn't throw the plans away on your life. He didn't tear up your future. Your best days are not past you. But you can't miss them if you walk miserably into them. If you walk into them complaining, grouchy, then even if He gives them to you, you won't enjoy them. But if, but if you could do what David said and let God be God, quit comparing myself to other people. Don't, don't try to sit on the throne, but just commit myself, allow myself to be empty, helpless compared to his power. He said, Tim, watch and see if you don't release me. 
Watch and see if one day you don't inherit the land that you've always wanted. So what am I supposed to do? Be faithful. Let my faithfulness be my best friend. How do you know it's going to work? I don't. It's not for me to know. I don't know God. I'm just faithful. I just know that my faithfulness through the years has paid dividends that nothing else could. So if you ask me, does he, will he? Oh, yes. But you will only know it by you proving it through faithfulness. By how long you can lay there without opening your eyes and trusting that God's got it. If you're in this room tonight and you say, Pastor, that's me you've been talking to. Then God sent me by for you to have a conversation with him. With every head bowed. The person beside you can't do this for you and the And I can't do this for you. Only you in your mind and in in yourself can you decide, God, I'm coming to you. Like the prodigal son, I'm not hiding. I'm not not trying to, to, to manipulate. I'm not trying to tell you how everything's okay when I know it's not. I'm just committing. I'm just forfeiting. I'm just releasing and I'm trusting that like the prodigal son's father who wrapped him in his arms and said, hey, let's get a party going here. That God, you will do the same for me. That as I right now look at you in my spiritual eyes and I say, Father, forgive me for what I've done, for what I've trusted, or what I've demanded to be happy. But God, all I really need is you. Because if I have you, then in due time, everything that I've ever needed will be put in my hands. That's how much I trust you. It's not dependent on anybody else. Just me and you. Father, for whoever that is right now that needs to take their mind off of some family member that has had power in that. Friend, work, some prestige that has always given them identity. God, let them find it in you. For that person that's struggling right now with that peace, Lord, let them trust you and let your peace cover them. Joy unspeakable and full of glory and peace that passes understanding. Let them have it right now. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for what you've done in this room tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, go give that old devil fits. It's good to be back.